Welcome to Gone Fishing, a show diving into the cybersecurity threats that surround our highly connected lives. Human vulnerability is almost completely ignored in the security awareness space. But why is that? Every human is different. Every person has unique vulnerabilities that expose them to potentially successful social engineering. It's time to change the focus and bring it back to the human factor. On this show, we'll discuss human vulnerability and how it relates to unique individuals. Assessing the constantly evolving human risk is how we make our company safer and more secure. I'm Connor Swalm, CEO of FinSecurity, and welcome to Gone Fishing. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. It is Connor, CEO at Finn and host of the Gone Fishing podcast. And let's face it, we've all heard it before, especially with things like two-factor authentication that, hey, this is inconvenient. It takes longer for me to log in. I don't care if people have my information. I have nothing to hide and I'm not going to lose my account. I make my passwords incredibly strong, so I don't need to go through all this rigmarole uh, and crap in order to secure, quote unquote, secure my accounts. This is a tale that I have heard since uh, beginning a career in the cybersecurity space. And I have a feeling it's a tale I'm going to keep hearing in the cybersecurity space so long as humans are involved in it, which that's going to be forever. So I think I'm going to keep hearing it forever. So today, you didn't get the hint from all that. We're going to talk about this mindset of security getting in the way of convenience. Now, a lot of people are correct. Security, doing proper security is inconvenient in some ways. But being convenient is not just the only thing everyone should be worried about. So a thing that I like to tell all the security practitioners that I talk to, and even myself, is if we make the right thing the easy button, that is, if we make security more convenient, we're just going to get more of the behavior we would like to see. So there's this consistent battle of if we make things too easy, too convenient, it's no longer secure. But if we make them too secure, like if we go beyond two-factor authentication and have, I don't know, nine-factor authentication. I don't know of that existing in the real world, but let's just think about it for a second. Of course, it's not going to be implemented, right? What are people going to have? Eight cell phones to text, eight, get eight separate texts, and then they're going to put their thumbprint on their computer and end up logging into an account? No, that is absolute garbage. That's way too inconvenient. So clearly, there should be some kind of give and take here. So first, let's talk about some of the misconceptions. There's a statement a lot of people make, I have nothing to hide or uh, said another way. I have nothing of value that anyone would like to steal, or I have nothing that is worth anything, anything along those lines. If you've had an owner of a small business or a manager and a larger business, or, hey, we're not the most valuable people here. We're not finance. So nobody's going to be trying to steal stuff from us. That is, uh, in my mind, a, a, a mindset that detracts from actual security because the reality is today that is, it's not that everyone's a target. It's just that security, uh, it's just, it's just that we live in such an interconnected world where technology is so integrated into the way that every employee, regardless of their technical prowess, exists and functions today. It's so integrated that everyone is capable of being a target. Not that they're targeted. It's just that everyone is capable of being targeted. So uh, a statement that I've uh, started to repeat after hearing it from a lot of these industry professionals like Wes Spencer and others is, 
a breach is not an if, it is a when mentality. That currently today, uh, we have, uh, you know, there's this concept called the defender's dilemma, where a hacker has to be right exactly once and a defender has to be, has to be right all the time forever. That's just a, you know, if we're looking at the numbers there and how, how many times a defender's going to have to be right, i.e. us security folk, uh, versus how many times a malicious actor needs to be right. It's just an impossible game that we're always going to lose at some point statistically as a result of, uh, you know, the infinite game of sorts. It's just, it's just going to go on forever. So as we're transitioning into teaching people about this mindset uh, as, uh, as practitioners, uh, that comes with going up against this. I've got nothing to hide. I'm definitely not a target mentality. So that's kind of like the, the first mental blocker I see to getting past the things need to be convenient more than they need to be secure. Now, a lot of security is designed without convenience in mind. And frankly, I think that that in itself is not correct. A statement that I make to all of my team members and that I make to everyone that I meet is you get the exact behavior that you incentivize and people are incentivized to do things that are more convenient, right? If it's less of an obstacle for them to turn off two-factor authentication and not have to deal with it. Uh, whereas if two-factor authentication was integrated in such a seamless way that it was no additional inconvenience, you're going to get that. You're going to get way more of that behavior. And so I think one thing that's missing from a lot of security tools and vendors and practitioners in the space who are building not only the security frameworks, but building policies and then building the tools that will end up being used to fulfill the, the points and the controls in certain policies. I think one thing they need to keep in mind is have we made this as convenient as possible for the end users? I always go back to a story. I studied math in college. I love it. I still talk about math. I still think about math to this day. But when I would talk to anyone that wasn't a practitioner that didn't care about it in the same way that I do, the conversation was over. It just, it didn't fundamentally connect with anything that they cared about. And that's okay. I was super excited about it. Nobody else was. And I see the same thing happening in security. And as a result, I see the same thing happening in the way that a lot of security tools are uh, implemented or, or designed. And then as a result, created it's, there is not enough of a focus for security tools on convenience of the end user. And I always make this statement too. People just want to show up to their job, do good work and be safe while doing it. Anything that gets in the way of that is inconvenient. Anything that gets in the way of that is going to lead to behaviors you do not want to encourage, such as turning off 2FA, such as sharing passwords, such as not using a password manager and just using the same one over and over again uh, that they've been generating since they were nine years old because they can remember it and they just change one letter at the end of the password. You're going to get a lot more of those behaviors if you don't first think, how can we make this convenient for the people who need to have their behaviors changed? So how can we get the average employee who needs to be secure, but um, isn't necessarily secure, uh, uh, you know, a security practitioner? How can we get them more interested in these things? I think first, like I had already said, it starts uh, a mindset on the, on the vendor side, on the tool side of how can we make this more convenient? But then I'll go to the more human side is a lot. A lot of employees, a lot of uh, people who show up to their job will, will march to the orders and march to the beat of whatever drum their management, their leadership, or their organization is, is beating at the time. And the quickest way to erode 
somebody's uh, belief that they need to act a certain way, uh, the quickest way to erode good behaviors is to no longer encourage them. And so this is a, a roundabout way of saying what I see missing in a lot of organizations is an increased importance on actual security. I see that changing though, so it's not all bad news, right? I see a lot of companies at this point making a, a, a real serious effort to actually creating real security policies uh, and a real security program that fits their organization and helps them more be more secure. So it's it's not all bad news, but the quickest way to not only erode, but also the quickest way to encourage good behavior is to have the leadership and encourage it. So if you encourage bad behavior, you're going to get that. If you encourage great behavior, you're going to get that. And one thing we say before we start working with any organization is, here's the set of communications that you need to send out to stakeholders at the client. And then here's a set of communications that those stakeholders need to send to their employees. Both of those are very important. We're not only soliciting the buy-in from the stakeholders on, hey, this is why we're doing these things, because we are introducing a little bit of inconvenience in doing training and understanding what's going on and looking at social engineering and knowing if uh, a communication is a valid communication or not, if it's somebody pretending to be another employee at the organization. We're introducing inconvenience. And as a result, what we need is more buy-in on, hey, this tiny bit of inconvenience is actually going to create such such great security and incentivize such great behaviors that we really need you to buy in and we need you to tell everyone else that works for you that they need to buy in as well. And when we see our partners do that properly, we see an incredible uptick in the, uh, in the amount of people that end up doing their training on time and the amount of people that end up exhibiting proper behaviors. So having everyone from the top of the organization to the bottom of the organization buy into hey, we need to start encouraging behaviors, even if it's a little more inconvenient, incredibly important. So all that being said, why is it important for anyone to understand this? Why is it important for anyone to help take intentional steps towards uh, towards getting people who aren't really interested in cybersecurity to actually buy into cybersecurity in the first place? Well, uh, I'll start this with kind of like an analogy. So long as an organization somewhere in the world can spend a single dollar and steal 10 versus spend a single dollar and make two via some ethical, moral, whatever you want to say, like creating a goods and service method. So long as they're going to make 10 by stealing and two by having a business, they're going to keep stealing. It's that simple. It is just a number. It is just a, if we spend X dollars, we'll get, we'll get way more if we do this. So a lot of these organizations are incentivized to continue stealing, to continue stealing from businesses because of how profitable it is for them to do so. So getting everyone, not just the practitioners, not just the security industry to buy into cybersecurity as not only a concept, but also as a school of thought and as a set of activities and behaviors, everyone has their place in security because everyone has a place in an organization. Getting everyone to buy in is the first step towards flipping that script. Because if we make it harder as an industry to actually steal capital and to steal resources, then there will be less organizations set up to actually steal. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that with the cost, you know, insurance is a great way of uh, trans transferring risk to an insurance company. You can remove risk by getting rid of uh, of risk. But then a third, um, uh, the third thing is. The third way that you can handle risk is you can actually just retain the risk. So 
by hiring humans who are capable of making mistakes, who are capable of doing things incorrectly, who are also capable of doing incredible, creative, incredibly creative things that you probably couldn't have dreamed of when you first hired them or to do the work that you've prescribed them, you are retaining some amount of risk that, yep, that person, you know, insider, there's a reason insider threats are a thing. It's because people do weird things sometimes. And so if you can actually encourage those people at which you've retained, uh, you've retained some of that risk, if you can convince them to change their behavior, this is the whole concept of human vulnerability management here. If you can convince them to change their behavior, then you've not only you've shrank the amount of retained risk that you've that you have as an organization because now you've removed some right if if somebody who was a stickler on i don't care i'm not going to enable two-factor authentication this is a pedantic example but it drives the point home here then when you're actually able to change their mindset you know what i see the value i see how it's not too much too much of an inconvenience i'm actually going to enable this for all my accounts and i'm going to implement this properly and then they do that you have just removed a lot of retained risk that you had because that employee demonstrated certain behaviors that you know are capable of inducing and creating risk. And so it is incredibly important for MSPs, for cybersecurity practitioners to drive this point home to business owners, to stakeholders, to the people at the organizations, to the least technical individual at a company. So everyone has their place because everyone has a certain set of behaviors to create weird, unique risks to an organization. And just the act of hiring them and work, hiring those people and working with them, an organization has retained a certain amount of that risk. And it is our job to mitigate that as much as possible. Because then I'll tie this back to the very beginning. When we retain, when we shrink that retained risk, we're essentially shrinking the return on investment a malicious actor is going to get if they spend a dollar trying to steal money. And if we can do that well enough, then we'll just get more businesses who are actually stood up to provide good goods and services in a uh, you know mutually beneficial way, and we'll get less businesses that are stood up to steal money because now it is less profitable to do so. It's just it's just a numbers game at some level. Is people are here to make money, whether that's by stealing and, and doing it via what we would consider immoral ways, or whether that's by providing a good service and uh, through like a medium of exchange. So that is why those are some of the common misconceptions that I see. Those are some of the flaws and some of the logic I see. And also, it's not just the people who know nothing about cybersecurity and just want to show up. It's I also see uh, a lot of, uh, not backwards, but counterproductive is how I'll phrase that, counterproductive thoughts from security practitioners and MSPs and security folk is at the end of the day, we're all on the defender side together. We all have to be right all the time. And so we should be trying to help lift each other up as much as possible, helping people understand where they can get better and also encouraging all that good behavior at all times. So if you have any thoughts, uh, please reach out to me. This is a concept that I am incredibly invested in. Once again, I am Connor, CEO at Finn and host of the Gone Fishing Podcast, and I will see you next time. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to find out more about creating high quality security awareness training campaigns, that engage employees and change their habits, then check out FinSecurity at phinsec.io or click the link in our show notes. Thanks for fishing with me. See you next time.